Hi, everyone. I am C, compulsive overeater in Maryland, and uh, we have a group conscious that we don't share more than twice a month. I've never shared twice before in a month, but it happened this way. So for those of you who just heard me on Saturday, I'll try not to repeat much of what I said on Saturday. I'd like to do something a little bit differently and um, really focus on recovery. But I am a 100-pounder. I do qualify. My top weight uh, was just under 292 pounds, and uh, I have been abstinent since 7-21-21, and that is uh, really quite a miracle. My higher power is amazingly um, kind to me. My abstinence is simple, three meals a day, a snack, and they are mostly weighed and measured, uh, and I eat at certain times and nothing in between and no other times. And I shared on Saturday that I had been terrified of losing weight, a lot of weight, rapidly this time because I've done that in the past. In the past 15, 16 years, I had lost more than 60 pounds on three different occasions, and each time I gained it all back, and I gained it back rapidly with interest. Um, And so... I, I know how to lose weight. I know how to diet. I know how to do that. Restricting and exercising two hours a day will take 50 pounds off pretty quickly, but that's not sustainable. And so this time, I, it's important to me to do something that is sustainable. So I am on track uh, to lose the weight that I want to lose in the uh, numbers that I want to lose. So I was a a chubby baby, came into the world at nine pounds, four ounces, and evidently I loved food right away. My babysitters were an elderly couple who did not have teeth. Uh, That's what my mother could afford. And them not having teeth was significant because they gave me the foods that they ate. Uh, I loved the foods that they ate. Uh, They were soft foods, foods that didn't require um, teeth to chew or not much teeth to chew. And I just grew and grew and grew. When I started walking, I went straight up and ended up being tall uh, and skinny and just didn't have any issues with weight until I got pregnant. And then I gained a lot of weight. But I also lost it pretty quickly. I was very young, and I lost it pretty quickly and didn't really have much trouble with weight until uh, around middle age. What I have learned in recovery is the correlation between when I started turning to food for comfort, when food becomes, became something more than just something that I enjoyed doing. Um, and I honestly, I was not aware until I got into recovery of how lonely I was for a couple of decades in my life. I am a loner by nature. I do enjoy being by myself. But I didn't realize that I had really managed to isolate myself from a lot of people. Um, My first program is the beverage program, and I celebrated 20 years in the beverage program. But, of course, credits do not transfer. But I did learn a lot about the steps, and so I knew that they worked if I was willing to surrender to a power greater than me. I am not one who piles plates high. I am a grazer. I didn't know that term until I came to OA. Uh, But that's me. I just, you know, ate, ate, ate through the day, through the night, just ate, 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 ate. And if I was tired, I ate. If I was celebrating, I ate. If I was depressed, I ate. If I was overwhelmed, I ate. I mean, I just ate. 
food was the solution to whatever I was feeling, good, bad, or indifferent. If I was bored, I ate. If it rained, I ate. If it was sunny, I ate. And I just ate, 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 ate. Um, when I finally got up to what was at that point my highest weight, when I was approaching my 50th birthday, I thought, this is not possible. There is no way I weigh that much. Um, but I did. And I did one of those fit at 50 things like this is the healthiest I've ever going to be in my life and all of that and, and took off 70 pounds um, pretty quickly and was really feeling great about things. And then uh, shortly after that, about I finished my, um, well, a graduate program, and that was a lot of work because I was working full-time, and I just kind of started snacking. And, of course, I was burning the midnight oil at both ends, and so I was snacking into the night and early hours of the morning and regained about 30 of those pounds and felt badly about that. But my son said, Mom, give yourself a break. I mean, it's not like you've been sitting around eating bonbons and watching soap operas. I mean, you know, you were working on your degree. And so I thought, that's true. But I had trouble getting that 30 pounds back off. But I did. And a few years after that, I got a big promotion and a move to another county. And, uh, and th there was a lot of celebrating and people were feeding me everywhere I went. And the weight just came back. Because as exciting as it was, this new opportunity, it was also stressful. And I just started snacking all the time again and blew back up. And a few years later, I thought, this is crazy. I don't want to do this anymore. And it happened again. So you all know the story. But until I got to OA and started working these 12 steps, substituting food or compulsive eating behaviors for alcohol and drinking, I didn't really make the correlation between the loneliness that I was feeling. And that loneliness really wasn't about the absence of a partner because I am happily unmarried. I really am. Um, but there was a, a longing in my soul for connection, deep connection. And I wasn't even aware it was there. I... And a, uh, I practice a faith tradition, and I love my faith tradition. One of the things that I discovered in the beverage program, uh, because I had 10 years there and relapsed for seven years and came back. And what I realized was that I had a relationship with my church, with my faith tradition, but I didn't have a relationship with the God of my understanding. I thought I did. But church and faith tradition are not the same as the actual God of my understanding today. And so over these years, over these decades, I have been developing that relationship. And so when I came to came back to OA, because I tried it years ago, years and years and years ago, and didn't like it, but I didn't remember why I didn't like it until I started hanging out on these lines, it's because that was still the gray sheet days. And I went to an in-person meeting, and they handed me a gray sheet, and I thought, I am not doing this. No way. Uh, and I didn't go back. So I came back because what I know today is that I can't do this alone. I absolutely cannot do this alone. Yes, I can lose weight alone, but I, I can't stay abstinent alone. I cannot keep the weight off alone. Um, severely restricting and working out two hours a day is not really an option for me at this age as I'm sliding into my 70th birthday. Um, 
you know, this is a different body than when I was 50. Everything about this body is different than when I was 50. I had a little arthritis then, but I did not have head-to-toe literally arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis at that time. My body just won't do what it used to do. And so my higher power knows that and it has relieved me of um, the bondage of having to reach for food as a solution for everything because it is a solution to nothing. Food is nutrition. Who knew? I mean, the first time I heard someone say that on this line, I thought, what? What did she just say? Food is, well, yeah, yeah, but it's so much more. But it isn't supposed to be so much more. It's not supposed to be my comfort in the night. It is not supposed to be uh, my sustenance. And it's not supposed to be my all in all. It's nutrition to fuel my body so that I can live a healthy life. At 718 tonight, I got a call uh, from my best friend of 25 years. My, We were going to retire. We were going to grow old and retire together and be two fun old ladies you know, kicking it up in the retirement home. And she entered hospice on Friday, and her brother called me tonight to tell me that she's gone. Uh, I did not expect it to happen that fast. When she told me last week that she was going to go into to hospice, she just couldn't take the chemo anymore. It's, it was, you know, at some point the chemo kills you faster than the cancer. Um, and and I just had, I was just, just went into sort of this uh, discombobulated state. I was just a mess, pretending not to be, but really internally a mess. And then on Friday, I spent the day with her on Friday, and and I just was not in a good way. But it didn't hit me until Saturday that through all of that emotional upheaval, it never once occurred to me to stop at the store and get something sweet and creamy, which was my go-to comfort. Oh, my goodness, Uh, life was better with it. Truly anything with butter, sugar, and eggs was, you know, good. But really, if it was sweet and creamy and cold, that was the ticket. It never occurred to me. I did not eat at any of that. And tonight when I got the call, I had no desire to run to food or anything um, to soothe my, my soul. I reached out to some friends in the program. I reached out to a good friend at my church, um, and I asked people to pray for not just me, but her brother and her family, um, but food, food was not in there. That is the gift of my higher power. I'd like to, um, to really shift to what recovery has been like. I am uh, a big believer in the big book. Uh, someone referred to me a couple of months ago as a big book thumper, and she did not mean that as a compliment. I don't think I'm a big book thumper, but it has saved my life. All those years that I was in relapse in the beverage program, I was in church every Sunday, every Sunday. It did not save my life. It was these 12 steps and the fellowship that saved my life. Excuse me. In the the 12th step in the OA 12 and 12, there is a a walkthrough of the principles in, in each of the steps that we are encouraged to practice in all our affairs. And so I have worked through these steps with actually two different sponsors. And now I have been enjoying immensely, oh, my gosh, the 12 Step Within Workshop. And tomorrow is the last day of this 15-week session. It has been amazing. 
I highly recommend it the next time it is offered. Um, and I don't know what time it will be offered because virtual, is, I mean, regional, I think, isn't going to do it anymore. But maybe our virtual intergroup will. Anywho, it has been wonderful working the steps uh, with these folk in that workshop. It's been deep, deep work. I have shared things that I have not shared with anyone, including my sponsor. I couldn't believe stuff was coming out of my mouth because I need you all. I need you to recover. I need you to respond to what life gives in healthy, whole ways. Uh, and so I'm on page 84 of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overheaters Anonymous at the bottom of the page. In step one, we learned the principle of honesty as we admitted our personal powerlessness over food and the fact that without help, we cannot successfully manage our own lives. My job is successfully managing others. I am the boss. I've been the boss for a long time, but I could not manage my own life when it came to food. I just couldn't. Powerless over food. How can you be powerless over food? I am powerless over food left to my own devices. And I have to be honest about that. In step two, we learned hope as we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, this is a special focus group, 100 pounders. And I would hear some people's stories and think, well, I didn't do that. I didn't do that either. And, I, and food didn't make me crazy. But I kept coming back. And the memories start to come back. I ate like I drank. And I just had to do enough step work in OA and enough writing to have the bells go off and go, do you see that? Do you see that scene? You ate just like you drank. I drank all day, every day. I was a so-called maintenance drinker, and I ate like that. It was the same, just a different substance. And my higher power restored me to sanity, took from me that compulsion to constantly go to the kitchen. In step three, we learned faith as we made the most important decision we ever made, the decision to trust God as we understand God with our will in our lives. The, the step actually says into the care of God. And I missed that word a long time ago when I first got sober in the 80s. I missed the word care. My sponsor had to point it out to me. You're not saying care. It's not turn your life and your will over to God. It's to the care of God. That has made all the difference in my recovery. In step four and five, we learn courage and integrity as we face the truth about our defects of character. I know a lot of people don't like that term, character defects. I heard someone say character defenses. I'm okay with character defects, but I understand the character defenses because this stuff, these are characteristics that, you know, are normal, except that as addicts, and I'll speak for myself, as an addict, I just take them to unhealthy places. But they were responses to what happened to me in my family of origin. I mean, that's why I became a control freak. That's why I became a perfectionist. That's why I became OCD. That's why I became a know-it-all, you know, whatever. My character, that's, that's why. Because I was a scared little girl who was told she was homely and, and unloved and unlovable. No one would ever love me. But, but I was smart, they said. 
I worked really hard. I'm being smart. If that was all I had going for me, courage and integrity are not always easy. I mean, it's, you know, somebody said that courage is, uh, is, is fear that has said its prayers. I like that. In step six, we learn more about the necessity of willingness as we become entirely ready to let go of my shortcomings. And that word entirely just kind of, you know, makes my back tense sometimes. But um, I am I am ready. I don't want to add to the pain of the world anymore. I honestly, it's been a long time since I have wanted to tell somebody off. That is not me. That is my higher power is doing. I honestly, I don't want to do that. I do. I just don't. I mean, I don't know what's going on with anybody. What I know is that life is hard, and and I don't want to add to anybody's pain. I want to be a woman of of value and and worth, and um, someone who is kind and an encourager. And I have my days. I mean, I, you know, I have some thoughts, but I don't say it. I have learned to censor my behavior, and I've learned to pray. I've learned to pray. Bless her, change me, bless him, change me, bless them, change me. I've learned to pray the sick man or sick woman's prayer. I have learned to pray. Um, in step seven, we begin to understand the meaning, meaning of humility. And as an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, I had to learn what that meant. It is certainly not about beating up on myself or thinking less of myself. It's about thinking of myself less. That's the difference. I have two half brothers, and my the younger of them um, is he just naturally does that. I just envy him. He just intuitively, instinctively thinks of others first. He just does. It's just natural for him. It is not for me, and it's not because I'm an evil person. It's because I was an only child in a highly dysfunctional, drunken, crazy, violent household, and I had to learn to protect myself and look out for myself because the two crazy people may or may not have been around, off to jails, off to wherever. I had to learn to take care of myself, and I did. But that meant putting myself first. And today I can take a step back. And I remember there's actually somebody else here. In steps eight and nine, we look at the damage we've done. The principles of discipline, self-discipline, and love for others and all our actions is, is part of that. I want to, I want to, um, I can't undo the damage that I did, and I needed help getting through the eighth and ninth step because I thought, well, I mean, you know, I live alone. It's not like I hurt anybody with my overeating. Well, I hurt myself, first of all. I did great harm to my body physically. Um, and I did hurt other people because if I had to choose between going home and eating things that I wanted to eat or hanging out with you all, I was going to choose to go home. There were just a lot of things that I didn't show up for um, because I would rather be home, grazing and enjoying all of my yummies in the kitchen. Uh, practicing the principle of love, we learn to accept others as they are, not as I would have them to be. And that is an ongoing struggle for me. I tend to be very generous towards young people because I was young and crazy. But I, I, I struggle with people like my age, like mature women. I'm like, come on. Do you not see that you're repeating the same patterns? Says she who has released and regained more than 50 pounds three times in 15 years. Duh. 
So maybe I might want to concentrate on my own shortcomings. In step, in step 10, we just discovered the value of perseverance in working the 12 step. Practicing the principles in all my affairs um, means that I continue to do the things that have brought me the healing that I have so far. I have, I'm going to be bagging up some clothes after this meeting because I've got a charity pickup tomorrow. I have a lot of clothes. Oh, my God, I have clothes. I love clothes. Um, I mentioned that I grew straight up. I was tall and skinny for a while. I was a professional model for a while, and I worked in the fashion industry. I love clothes. I have clothes. Whatever size I am, I have clothes. And uh, it's just time to start releasing. Um, I'm going to retire in a couple of years. I do not need all the clothes that I have. I work from home a lot now, so I certainly don't need all the clothes that I have. Um, and and I can I can release them to somebody else. I can practice these principles in all my affairs. I have come to believe that for me to hold on to all the stuff that I have is is robbing, is robbing people who actually need that chair, that desk, that whatever piece of furniture, the clothes, the books that I am never going to read. I have come to believe that I am robbing the universe by hoarding things that I'm not using, that, that someone else could be using. It's all my affairs I get to practice these principles in, not just overeating and service. I came in here and I got busy right away. I, I, I moderated a, um, uh, the, um, the marathon meetings until I you know, had three months and I became a speaker getter because service is important to me, first of all, because I don't want to live my life as a taker. I want to be in a mutually giving and receiving relationship because I don't want to be doing all the giving either. I've learned that that too is selfishness when all I want to do is put myself out there all the time. But I want to live in mutuality. And so service is part of that. Also, for selfish reasons, because it helps to keep me in the middle of the herd. And that is where I need to be. Having had a seven-year relapse in the beverage program, which was pitiable, incomprehensible demoralization, just like the big book says, it was horrible. And the friend who died today, she was there with me through all of it, the worst of it. I chased everybody else away, but she would not let me go. She knew I needed a friend. God knew I needed a friend, and I needed that friend. I do not want to do that anymore. I don't want any more relapses in my life. So I need to stay in the middle of the herd. And I don't share a lot at meetings, but... That's um, that 15 minutes. Thank you. Right, I don't minutes. share a lot at meetings because um, I still consider myself new and I need to learn. And I don't need to be talking all the time. Like I learned um, a, a couple of things from, from a friend of mine, Wait, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? And that's very helpful to me. And the other one is, uh, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Does it need to be said by me? So, you know, I don't share so much at meetings, but I am, I am listening. I am listening. But I became a speaker getter, and, and uh, I did that because I knew that that would force me to get to know people. Because I really didn't want to be here when I got here. I wanted to do this on my own. And I knew I couldn't. And so being a speaker getter forced me to get to know people in OA. It also forced me to use the phone. 
and I don't really like using the phone a lot. I text, oh my gosh, I am the queen of texting, but I'm not really much, you know, on like hour-long phone calls. Um, But being a speaker getter made me get out of my comfort zone and do that. And then I became the speaker getter coordinator, um, and that was just such a blessing. It really was. So I uh, and and I release that because I do believe in rotation of service is very important, and part of my being in a mutually giving relationship is giving somebody else the opportunity to do those things, to be speaker getters and speaker getter coordinators. So I am grateful for everyone who does service. It is the best defense against the next compulsive bite, just as it's the next defense against that other thing and that other program. It is absolutely the best defense against that next compulsive bite. I am accountable to myself, to my higher power, and I'm accountable to you. Um, and I like the sound of 72121. I don't want to change my estimate date. Uh, I like it, 72121. But whatever my abstinent date is, uh, I need to be here. Didn't want to be here, but I am here. And I have met some wonderful people wonderful people. I have never met anyone in this fellowship in person. I have seen a few faces um, on uh, on some Zoom meetings, committee meetings, but I look forward to the first in-person conference that we have. Maybe I'll actually get to meet some folks and hug some folks. So thank you for letting me share. I would like to propose as a topic What delusions did you bring with you into recovery? What delusions? You know, because we have a second step for a reason. And I had all kinds of delusions that I brought with me about the garments I was going to get back into, about how I could eat my favorite yummy things in moderation for the rest of my life as long as I just ate a little bit. You know, if I just eat a little bit, um, I just, I had all kinds of delusions about the lifestyle that I would lead when I was this thin, elegant, felt woman again. I mean, it's just, I can laugh about it today, but that stuff was fueling um, something deep inside of me that wasn't real and wasn't healthy. So I'm curious about what delusions you brought with you into the fellowship. And of course, I could do it my own was a big one. That's all I've got. I'll wait for the um, recording to stop, and I will share my contact information. 